You're listening to Food Trucks in Babylon, a Western Seminary podcast with Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Patrick Schreiner. Listen as they discuss matters of faith, theology, and culture in a post-Christian world. Hey, this is Patrick. And this is Todd. And today we have a unique episode for you. We're actually going to talk about creativity in the Christian or the arts in the Christian. And it's a unique episode for a number of reasons. Uh, But the first reason is because we're usually upstairs actually in a tiny room of the chapel of Western Seminary. Me and Todd are usually just sitting there looking at one another, trying not to mess up. But um, this episode, if you're listening um, online or in your car or whatever it is, we have a bunch of eyeballs looking at us right now. And so um, this is a live podcast that we are doing with our friends here. And so it might sound a little bit different than usual. Actually, in this episode, we're going to have questions coming from the crowd that we're going to read out and so forth and so on. So It's unique for that reason because it's a live event here at Western Seminary's campus. Um, The second reason it's a unique discussion and a unique podcast is because we have two great guests with us. Um, Both of them you probably know. Uh, Ryan Lister and Thomas Terry are joining us for this discussion. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys and just give brief elevator pitch intros to what you do, who you are. Um, Try not to take 30 minutes. Just... What's, what's your titles? What are you doing in life now? Um, as a brief intro. I'll start. My name is Ryan Lister. I am a professor here with you, Patrick, and you, Todd, at Western Seminary. Uh, I also uh, work as an associate pastor at Trinity Church of Portland, and I also work at Humble Beast, uh, which is a uh, record label slash music ministry uh, to creatives, where a lot of what we'll be talking about today sort of uh, came out of. And I'm Thomas. Uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I serve as a pastor at Trinity Church in Portland. I also work uh, at Humble Beast. I serve as the executive director there. And I'm also a part of a hip-hop trio called Beautiful Eulogy. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I am not in a hip-hop trio. <laughs> And you accept payment, Ryan, in Chick-fil-A, don't you? You're a big fan of Chick-fil-A as well. I, I, I am in the, yes. That's right. And I that was a remarkably we brief there. That was a remarkably brief bio, Ryan, because I've read your Christmas letters before, and they run like <laughs> eight or nine pages. So, If you really want to read something good, uh, it, read my Christmas letter. Those are much better than the books. Can, can you tell people how to get on that list for getting your Christmas no, letter? Okay. No. All right. It's too incriminating. Well, both of you have been really involved in this uh, conversation about Christianity and the creative. Um, you run, you help run the Canvas Conference, which takes, is that yearly or bi- biannually? How, how does that run now? It's a yearly conference. Okay, yeah. <laughs> annual, I guess is a better way to put it. Annual. Annual, okay. And then you both have this book right here, Images and Idols, Creativity for the Christian Life. And am I correct to say this is the first of a three-part three book? Is that right? Yes, it's, it's a trilogy. I've trilogy. always just wanted to say something <laughs> you, that yeah. I'm doing a trilogy yeah, of yeah, some yeah, kind. Yeah. So yes, this is about as close as I'll probably get. So Great. Well, let me just begin by asking you, um, how did you get into this conversation? How did you get into this world of talking about this topic? What led you to this place right now at Western Seminary where you're talking about this? You're, you're much more natural. You're, you just, just go ahead and tell them. Yeah. 
No, tell them how we met because that's how it works. <laughs> I don't think that's nice. They're like a married couple. It gets kind we, of we are awkward. So, so. so uh, just to give you some background, I, I came from uh, Charleston, South Carolina uh, in 2014 to join the faculty here at Western Seminary. And as I was uh, as I was coming out, I was looking for a church, and I landed in a church which at the time was actually meeting in this very building uh, and one of the pastors there, one of the elders there was, was Thomas. And I remember walking into that church and just being sort of shocked by how many like humble beast and beautiful eulogy shirts there were in the crowd uh, to the point where I thought they were actually handing these out with like the bulletins and I, I didn't get one. <laughs> um, but over time, as we began to, to interact and we had similar friends, one of which is David Thelman back there, we we all sort of connected a bit, and uh, Thomas and I began to talk about sort of his sphere and my sphere, uh, mine coming from more of a sort of the theological world and his coming from the sort of the cultural uh, creative world. And in those conversations, uh, really what took place is the Canvas conference itself sort of, sort of germinated from that. Uh, I was looking at Western Seminary and thinking about how can we reach people uh, in, in Portland, trying to reach people with regard to the, the culture and just everything that's happening here. Uh, and so I was looking to start a class that would sort of deal with this bridge between theology and creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I broached the subject with Thomas, and Thomas himself came back and said, that sounds great, but let's go live. So that's basically the way our relationship works. I come (laughs) with an idea and then Thomas just blows it out into production and doing everything great about it. And takes up the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. And then everything is consumed. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Thomas? Yeah. Well, so when Ryan asked me to be a part of uh, this class, uh, we started thinking about it and spending some time together and kind of processing uh, how creativity can uniquely uh, speak to the beauty of theology, but then also how we can help people who just don't have a framework for uh, theology in the Christian spaces. Most of the spaces that I've run in for the last 20 years have been uh, creatives who could care less about their theology. Uh, they're very autonomous. They are their own uh, authority. What they create is what defines them. And so you see this huge uh, struggle with creatives in the Christian sphere. Uh, they just don't have a framework for theology. So as we begin to talk about the importance of theology and the beauty of, of creativity, we said, man, let's just marry these, these worlds uh, for the benefit of God's people in the church. Yeah, and on, on my end, I was looking at it from a theological perspective, saying there's very little talk about creativity in this space. So how do we talk about these things well? How do we think about mm-hmm. these things well? As in like a seminary space, is that what you mean? Uh, seminary space, but uh, space. even more broadly in the church, just, yeah. just uh, especially the Western church as a whole, just where does this fit in? We aren't talking about these things. However, the culture itself is. And so uh, that's where a lot of this came from. So we kind of joked that you're like this married couple, but uh, it, it <laughs> seems that there's like a genuine friendship that's, that's at work here. There's some synergy, but... But you're no, like no, this South Carolina no. guy, yes, right? That's true. And then Thomas, you're you're a Southern California yeah. guy, right? And and so, and and then one of you is coming from uh, music, and then you're Ryan. You're coming from from theology. How has this synergy worked? Uh, 
how have you like built off of uh, of of each other? How yeah yeah well it hasn't worked well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I you know honestly, Todd, I think I think what it is is that we uh, we both love Jesus. Uh, and we want to see uh, Jesus go into every sphere of the world, and so, um, I, I, so I, yeah, I'm sort of drawn to the fact that you have, sort of, I mean, culture is uh, being led in, in a lot of ways by by creatives, and and I just began to realize that there is sort of a a, a space there that the church isn't really talking to, and Thomas was in that sphere. And and he was he was talking to it, but trying to build that out. And so we really just have, uh, you know, our relationship is built off the fact that we both want to see uh, the culture impacted by Jesus, and that specifically means how do we reach and talk to creatives, and, and simultaneously, how do we help the church do that as well? I also think it's a, just a beautiful picture of how the church works. You just have a lot of you just have different people, uh, and when they come together, unified with one purpose, under one authority, relationship happens there. And so with Ryan and I, it's the professor and the performer and just kind of, uh, just in two totally different, you're the performer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. We're just in two different worlds, but the beauty of the gospel just mm. kind of unites us. And I think our friendship uh, began to blossom under the gospel. So It's great. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not thinking hip hop when I think of the Citadel in South Carolina. No. Not a lot of that going on. No? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Citadel is a military college in South Carolina, and that's where I went to school. So we're very far off that page at this point. So you don't have, like, a secret hip-hop album out there? Well, I'm glad oh. you asked that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't. Okay, okay. That was one of the questions from the Praise crowd. Praise be to God. I do not uh, have yeah. one of those. Yes. yes. Amen. Can, can we ask, a de- since we're both seminary professors, a more of a definitional question? Um, what, what do you mean by creativity? Who is a creative? Who falls? I mean, we can use these words, but who falls in this camp? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that the tricky part about the culture that we're in right now is that everybody self-identifies as a creative. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yeah. If you have an iPhone, you're a creative. Uh, and so we can, we can spend a lot of time trying to dissect what do we mean, or we could just make a general assumption everybody's a creative. Uh, And then uniquely speak to the way that people are creatively made, because God has made us as creative creatures to image him well. So I think everybody in some degree is a creative. Okay. Uh, So there's a little bit of truth to that. Uh, But when when we try to target folks, I think we're just gunning for the cultural norm, creative that's just culture. Okay. So, yeah, that's helpful. So, uh, being creative is part of the imago dei. It's 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 kind of hardwired into us. Is there a spiritual gift of creativity, or I, how would you assess that? Todd doesn't think he has it, so I that's know. why he's asking. <laughs> well, let me uh, actually. You should see his you. drawings on the board. They're almost right. as good at t- as Tim's. You know. Yeah. Well, actually, Todd's a great example of creativity and not actually even knowing he's a creative uh, because if anybody's picked up his book about superheroes, uh, using that book, using that paradigm of of comic book heroes to give us a better understanding of who our savior is, is 
quite creative. Now, don't tell creative people that. Though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Todd's not going to put that on his Twitter bio, I'm sure. Like creative theologian. Yeah. But, yeah. Why, why do you think the church, maybe first, do you think the church has an uneasy relationship with creatives? And if so, why do you think that is? Um, is there a sense, and maybe going into your story, Thomas, a little bit, in terms of if um, you're more into the arts and you walk into a church and you wonder, is there a place for me? Can you just speak to that relationship between the church and the creative and how you've thought through that and maybe even your own experience? Yeah. Well, I became a Christian when I was 18. uh, And prior to becoming a Christian, all I knew was creativity. Uh, I kind of understood the world around me through the grid of um, music and creativity and beauty. Uh, and Dance. Stop. <laughs> uh, and so when I came into the church, uh, my first experience uh, in this church that the Lord was really kind to save me in, uh, the leadership of the church said, uh, oh, the music that you make and the music that you appreciate is demonic. So there was already a sense of, oh, word, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't right. want to be associated with demons. <laughs> so I literally just said, okay, well, what does it look like for me to be a Christian then? And the way that they presented the Christian world and life view to me was one that was just kind of um, cerebral and didactic and stale and information-driven. Mm. Uh, and so for many years, I just really struggled. Like, this is not the language that I speak. This is not the grid that I think God has given me to look at life. I just look at things through a grid of beauty. I appreciate uh, the art of story and song and all those things. Uh, and so I feel like most of the church is afraid of beauty and creativity. Uh, I think they're afraid of it, and in many in many cases that there is some cause for concern mm. uh, because why, why do you think they're afraid of it do you have a sense uh, of why well because i do think that people who are creative can tend to be autonomous and be their own authority mm. Mm. Uh, and so i think they put a lot of stock and a lot of equity mm. in um, self-expression and their interpretation of beauty mm-hmm. uh, that the that the bible is oftentimes set aside yeah uh, and so that, while that's a unique challenge, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to, to follow back to your, to your initial question, I do believe that God has gifted people in the church as creatives to bring God glory through their creative contributions. But when I stepped into a church, it was almost like every other gift was acceptable except for creativity. Creativity was mm-hmm. worldly. Mm. It looked too much like the world. It mm. was so kind of different from their paradigm and framework that they just said, no, that's demonic, you know? Mm. Uh, so that was really unfortunate. And it took many years of struggling with, you know, just the way that God has programmed me, the way that I look, the way that I read scripture. I mean, I, honestly, I read scripture and it's a beautiful storyline, but there was some reprogramming that happened when I first became a Christian uh, that many years later I had to unhinge from that mm. and look at it through a, a much more creative palette. Mm. So. Do you think, um, just reflecting on what you're saying here in terms of the church, and the church has been known for being about truth, and, and I'm thankful for that, and protecting the truth. 
but that maybe the negative side of that is that we've tried to drill down so far that then we don't recognize even going back to the scriptures that truth is presented with beauty, with poetry, with stories, so forth and so on. So we've maybe maybe um, post-Reformation, post-cultural clashes, it's just much easier to say this is what to believe, and if we throw creativity around, it becomes more abstract or ambiguous. Do you think some of that has affected how the church has interacted with Absolutely. creatives? Yeah, Absolutely, okay. because uh, you know, beauty in some senses is kind of subjective. Right, right. Christians don't want yep. subjective. They, right, right. Yeah, subjective truth. scares them. Yeah, yeah right. So I, I think that that's a, that's a huge issue for the church. Let's just stick with what we know right? because it's safe. Yeah. You know, we don't want to do the hard work of helping people understand the world of beauty or even God as a beautiful designer. Mm-hmm. They just don't want, to, they don't want to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of it actually, actually has to do with our anthropology too. Um, as Jamie Smith talks about, uh, that we are, the, the way the West looks at humanity is we're, we're heads on a stick. And so we're just after truth, 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 whereas scripture is saying something broader. Right. It's speaking to all aspects of who we are. And I think this what this conversation hopefully helps us do is to depict us in our full humanity. Yeah. My name's Aram, and I'm in the MABTS program at Western Seminary. My favorite part about this program is that I get to study and reflect on God's Word at an academic level, and I also get to learn around some amazing people. The students and faculty here have helped me grow in the way I understand God and His Word, and I also get to do it in an environment that pushes and challenges me both personally and academically. Western Seminary offers a number of programs to help students prepare for the work God has called them to through rigorous education designed with practical application. If you're interested in learning more about Western or starting your application, visit us online at westernseminary.edu. Now back to the show. What's the number one misconception of creatives by the church? If you could talk to, to pastors or maybe you do get the opportunity to do this, and, and, and you have pastors say, I just don't know what to do. I, I mean, what you're talking about sounds good, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. What, what would be one, like, corrective that, that you might bring? Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of times the, the issue is we don't understand who and what they're like, so we're going to either do two things. We're either going to nominalize them and push them off to the side, and not address their needs or meet with them and, and, and work with them through certain things. Or we're just going to give them, we're, we're just going to give them free reign so that when they're at the front, they're doing, they're, they're doing their art stuff so that it'll bring the world in. Um, but still seeing them, not, not so much as nominalization, but there's, they're a commodity. We're, 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 so there's a, there's a using of them that's taking place. Mm-hmm. So, so those are those are, and I think that's all sort of rooted down into just not understanding uh, who or what they are because they're just thinking differently from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of a is there kind of like a fundamentalism that you're fighting against here? Because there's 
I mean, there, there has been in the history of the church a lot of creativity. I mean, even in, even in this last century, there are certain people that are deemed to be okay, you know, at certain kinds of Christian music, certain kinds of Christian art, you know, Thomas Kincaid or, or, or something like that. He gets the, the stamp of imprimatur. Western there's like West one Thomas there's like one Thomas this is a live party this is a live party here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The painter of light. Did you really just say that? Yeah. But and our and faculty space has a lot of Thomas. See, this is why we need to right. say right. my comment about you being a creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, and so there's like certain people who who get their stuff and I don't know if it's any good at all, but you, you know, you can go buy the paintings at Jesus junk stores and and, and it sells, it seems like. So, Jesus junk? I, Did you just make that up? I, I, okay. No, no, I right. just, no, I use that one all the time. Okay. <laughs> so, what's your question? I'm sorry, I just got lost in the whole Thomas Kincaid thing. I was. We're all thinking about how amazing Thomas Kincaid that, is. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, so let me let me ask it a, a different way. In the past, there have been certain characters who are understood to be creative, and and, and it's like the church gives them their stamp of imprimatur. Um, but but you're trying to broaden that, it appears. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, so seeing seeing beyond. I mean, yeah, seeing seeing the whole story as something that could be told. Um, so so what we oftentimes try to do is we try to sort of um, clean up our art and clean up the storyline. Uh, that that is going back to what I think you were originally saying. This idea of fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's clean it up. Let's sort of bleach it out and make it nice and whitewashed so it can be consumed across the board by all. We're saying... Or at least by our culture, our, our little Christian subculture. Yeah. We, we want to say that, I mean, that, that is happening, but uh, we can do more. Uh, we can tell the whole story. Uh, we can talk about uh, sin, too. And we can see what that looks like. We can talk about creation. I mean, what, one of the ways this particular book is, is, is built is around the whole story of Scripture. Um, so we're thinking about creativity as it, as it sort of bounces around sort of that creation fall redemption narrative. So, so we want to say, in, instead of just sort of bleaching it out and making it consumable by our particular subculture, we want to say, let, let's, let's do, do it potentially better than than that but let's be uh let's be honest you you guys had mentioned anthropology who we are how has that affected how you think through what we do in church how you incorporate those who are more creative in the church just even what it looks like to come into a place that we're worshiping god we're hearing from god's word but we're not just as you said heads on a stick, like how, how does that affect practice, everyday practice, or every week practice? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a, that's a church by church question, but the way we do it in our particular church is by trying to have a structure in the church, a, a liturgical structure that sort of walks you through that storyline of scripture, uh, walks you through the gospel as a whole, and is using different aspects of scripture to uh, sort of attach itself to the different parts of your humanity. So we're starting out with a call to worship that typically comes from the Psalms, so that it's speaking to head and heart simultaneously. Mm -hmm. We do confession and pardon that 
that that sort of pushes into who we are and also declares there's a declarative pardon that comes out of the scriptures itself. So, so those are those are certain ways that we do that. So that's that's Sunday morning. Yeah. That's the gathered church together. Uh, we have also started thinking through how do we create uh, sort of a, a culture of creativity in this church that is synced up and connected to Scripture and guided by Scripture uh, in, in a way that brings, uh, as the sort of the thesis of this book, is bring, brings glory to God and uh, is out for the good of man. And so we're, we're, we're working in those categories, so creating a creative team and finding people who are excited about that and to begin sort of that, that process there. That's good. You have to be very careful uh, with, I mean, I mean the, the assumption is if you, want, uh, if you want to have a bunch of creatives flourish in your church, then really what you do is you just get all these really creative people and you just let them start running things. Right. And really, uh, that can be very dangerous for the heart of the creative. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, especially creatives who are vocationally creative, their identity is woven into their work. And so here the church comes alongside and says, hey, we want to use what you do, uh, and we want to put that on a pedestal so that everybody can appreciate it. Now the creative is finding all of their identity and all their value, not just in their work, but their work in the church. Mm-hmm. And so if you begin to build their platform, you're actually hindering their spiritual growth. One of the best things that you could do for creatives in the church to cultivate a healthy creative experience is actually treat them like normal people. Not mm. use them, not you know, make them a commodity, not exploit their gifts, but help them to understand their role in the larger context of the church. So for some churches, it means you do very little creative work, very little creative expression. You mm. do most of that sitting down, working on heart stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just always cautious to say, yeah. well, how do you guys do it in church? Right, right. We're not doing like what yeah. a lot of these cool, hip churches are trying to do. Like, man, we're just going to have like, you know, massive displays of crazies no we're just saying right uh, it's a heart issue and we Mm -hmm. we need to reprogram the heart to set them right Mm -hmm. so that they engage in the church life Mm -hmm. understanding their contribution right just like every other person in the church that's good yeah i mean to that point it's 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 ultimately about discipleship and seeing them Mm -hmm. as souls as opposed to their 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 gifts Mm -hmm. and so understanding that simultaneously too we're we're figuring that out on the fly. Yeah. Uh, we, we haven't done it perfectly at our church, uh, but we're trying to think in those terms as well. So you, so at, at now at Trinity, uh, you've had like some talent shows, I think I was preaching one time and I heard that announced <laughs> over there. Uh, but yes, but, but <laughs> yes. So, and it was so awesome. It was but amazing. It was because beautiful because <laughs> when you think of a church talent show, you think, oh, this is going to be bogus. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. But you th- yeah. <laughs> right, because you're like, it's going to be crazy. And there was aspects of it that were awesome, you know, little kids doing choreographed stuff. Uh, and that was awesome. But, but what we actually saw was this um, multifaceted expression of creativity in the church. Mm. You have leather workers who make mm. belts, and you have uh, people who write short novels and uh painters and illustrators it was um it was breathtaking to walk down in our little kitchen area and see all of these people in our church that we didn't even know uh were hyper creative people making beautiful and amazing things for the glory of god so it it seemed like such a uh, 
a basic and generic thing like let's do a talent show <laughs> but it was so so good it was so good it was refreshing for us and it was ultimately for me i walked away very humbled by it yeah because here we are we're people who are writing these books and this idea did not come from us it came from the church okay. uh, mm. well, i mean ultimately it came i don't know if he's in here or not but it came from norm Thiessen, who if you know if you <laughs> no, know he's not here probably norm Thiessen, yeah. yeah he's probably sleeping He's probably sleeping in his office he's right old. now. A yeah. professor here at Western. He's yeah. old. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're sitting there just blown away by the gifts that the Lord has given the church. Wait, we're sitting back. Blown going, away by the gifts given to Norm, too? Well, yeah, Norm was not involved. <laughs> okay. He just said, let's okay. do this. That's kind of what he does. Yeah. He just kind of throws a bomb out there and then just walks away. He's like uh, an yeah. older version of me. Like you, yeah. <laughs> but well, I, mean, I would say this. What, what we have tried to do is we have tried through the pulpit ministry to integrate uh, creativity even as we preach so that the culture of creativity is being taught through the preaching of God's word. So when God uses narrative, mm. we're trying to accentuate that and really tell the story in a beautiful way, not, not taking away from it, being mm-hmm. exegetically faithful, uh, expositionally faithful, but, but bringing to the table a certain glare of creativity so right. that people can can see oh our god is a beautiful god the, the fact that we sit and tell god's story every single sunday uh, speaks to the fact that god is a creative storyteller he reveals himself through narrative and through story and through genre mm. and we want to help our people to engage with that god a very creative god yeah, mm. and in a way that never gets old and you keep yeah. telling the story in different ways and different uh diff- from different angles and it's mm. it's amazing so when you did this, this talent show, it, it wasn't necessarily so you could be the hippest, coolest church around. It was driven more by pastoral and discipleship concerns for your people. Absolutely. Okay. Man, these, there's people in our church, they want to do a talent show. They want to sing, and, and we're just like, all right. Okay. <laughs> and I was blown away. And humbled is the exact word. It's, that just sounds terrifying. Can I tell you a, a like, true story from my childhood? Okay. I feel like so we're going to hear it. You're going to yeah. right now because it's kind of funny. It's, so I, I have very musically gifted cousins, and our families would get together at Christmas every year. I, I, I have a cousin who's a, who is a, a concert violinist, plays for Oregon Symphony. I have a Grammy award-winning audio engineer for a cousin, and we would go to their house for Christmas, and they would, they would put on these big recitals, and they would invite people to the recitals, and and and. I would perform in these things. And I thought everyone was coming for me. And I'd be like honking away on my saxophone playing the friendly beasts or something like that, right? And thinking like, well, I'm almost as good as my cousin. You know, but and then later on I figured out, Mom, what were you doing to me? What, wh- why would you do this? There is no comparison at all between my little fumbling efforts and, and what people were actually showing up for. And your mom was like, I couldn't stop you, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we go to creativity, um, one of the things that struck me is that um, we usually go to conversations about beauty and goodness and, and truth. Um, one of the, I read a book recently, uh, a piece through it, didn't read the whole thing, but it was on Flannery O'Connor and kind of her, how she writes novels and how she, in most of her novels, shows how God's grace is actually found in what is malformed or what is scarred 
what is um, disgusting. Uh, and, and, and what she's pulling from in the biblical story is that there's a sense in which God's creativity is found most clearly on a bloody cross with a man being crucified naked and shamed. And it just raised questions for me in terms of, um, so, so in this conversation, we usually do go to that conversation of beauty, but um, is there a sense, how do, you, how do you think through the fact that God's grace is found in lifting up those who are downcast? Just that kind of language of, uh, that the scripture uses in that concept. How, how do you think through that when we usually run to that kind of beauty idea? Well, I think what you have in the gospel is a complete uh, turning the world upside down, or what I would say is turning the world right side up again. So he's actually taking things uh, the way we think about them and just, in many ways, reversing them. Mm. So that's kingdom-type concepts. Yeah. That's Sermon on the Mount-type concepts. That's Beatitude-type concepts. And I think uh, the cross is one example of that. This is the most uh, horrific, disgusting display of human pride and sin, and it's simultaneously the way that human pride and sin is overcome. Mm. So, so I think, I mean, yeah. I, I, w- I will always say Flannery O'Connor is on to something. Right. And she's right. Right. Um, and, and so what, what she's doing is she's, uh, she's, she's wanting to show us uh, who we are, oftentimes by holding up a mirror to our sin mm. uh, and to our brokenness. Uh, and, and in doing so, it, so her, her goal is, uh, is to consistently talk about um, hope, but to do it from a sort of a subversive way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what she's that's what she's getting at. And yeah. So in all of her all of her work, it's pushing you towards a hope, but it's consistently a hope that's outside of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that has to be exposed, and it shows you how sort of broken you are. Yeah. That's helpful. So, a question that we're getting multiple times now. You mentioned Thomas your own experience in the church of feeling like wow here's what I do best, but maybe it's of the devil, right? And, I mean, I remember the, the Why Knock Rock books that, that, that were out and, and that sort of thing. Have, have you done any study? How did we get here? How did we get to that particular yeah, point? Yeah, just historically in church history or maybe just in American church history, how, how did we go from, you know, like the greatest artists uh, all paid by the state to produce things that we still go to museums to see, but they were doing it in service to God to this place where now you walk into a church and you feel like you have some artistic gifts, but they are not welcome. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little nervous to say what <laughs> I think it is, but... Uh, just say it. It's I, not being ahead. recorded or anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 This, is, this is just live. Don't worry <laughs> right. at all. That's right. There's yeah. nobody actually listening. They're all on their phones uh, typing other questions. Might have something to do with the culture wars. Okay. Um, and I think there was a, a period where the church just said, we are going to clearly define what we are not. And I think they looked at creativity as just being worldly, and um, they just cut it all off. And they said, we don't want anything that looks like the world, that... that um, draws attention to you or, or elevates the artist or, you know, causes it. So, so you end up having this very just utilitarian uh, view of life uh, where everything, and you talked about it, is just truth, just truth, truth, truth. 
and I think that was that was working for a long time where you saw like the the rise of apologetics everything was just truth truth uh, but I think we're we're in a place now where uh, truth is we still hold to truth but I think people interpret uh, the way that truth is communicated by how it's carried. So that's why the culture wins today, because the culture makes everything beautiful. And so everything that the culture looks at, uh, they, they, they interpret whether it's true or not on the basis of whether it's beautiful or not. Okay. Uh, so that's why celebrities become the main voice of culture. Uh, that's why artists are more influential than pastors, because... They communicate things in a way that is beautiful. And I think we can use beauty. Mm-hmm. We can use beauty to tell the most magnificent truth about God um, by simply exercising those gifts that God has given us and not defining ourselves by what we're not, but by defining ourselves by how God has made us. He has made us all creative beings to reflect his creative glory uh so the moment we just start saying well you know this looks too worldly or this is just this brings too much attention to individuals in the you know in our church they just run from it at least that's the way it was interpreted to me like you can't do hip-hop music because hip-hop music is of the devil furthermore like you're you're not a performer you're not a performer and of course i was like no i actually i am i've been I've, i've just i'm a performer uh, I, I don't perform for people's affections or approval or affirmation, but the Lord has made me as a performer. Uh, and so I think we just have to figure out, are we going to put all of our stock in what we're not, or are we going to put our stock in what God has made us to be? It seems that one of the ironies of that is that we, we didn't want to be like the world, but then we ended up mimicking the world oh, uh, absolutely. With, with all of the genres, um, and, and, and maybe they weren't always... Uh, well, even our mimic is whitewashed. Our, our mimic is is a bogus mimic because it's a, a it's a, a, a watered down, safe version mimic, mm-hmm. uh, and that's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's you, just bogus. Yeah, do you think that maybe pressing in this conversation, it could be seen as just another mimicking? We're trying to do what the world does because you know you look at the top people in the world. It's like Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and Kanye West. So. The church needs to do that too. I mean, some people could look at this and say, well, this is just another imitation game. Why is this not, not the case? Yeah, well, I, I think the Christian can uniquely rise above all that because Christians uniquely have a pulse on the transcendence. This is the, this is the issue uh, with the, the church. The church doesn't realize their greatest resource, uh, a, a worldview that understands the transcendent. So while the world is attempting to make beautiful things and creative things to to reach outside of the cosmos, Christians uniquely have a pulse on that. We are the only ones who can help them understand what exists beyond the here and now. So our best resource to not just be another watered-down version is to just be faithful when it comes to the truth about God and the beauty of God. We'll uniquely sit above the top of it. So, yeah.
That's good. Most of the questions here have to do with Ryan's beard. So I'm going to skip some maybe, of those. Maybe we could just do a whole podcast. Yeah, that. <laughs> we'll do that. Another yeah. that. Ryan's beard, what, what type of oil you use and so forth and so on. Um, other questions that we're seeing, a lot of them concern what are some practical ways for creative people, visual artists, to utilize their craft in the church? We've, we've spoken briefly about this, but do you have any... Um, helps in terms of how, okay, creative steps in the church, how do they use their gifts in service of the church? Maybe not obviously trying to be like the center of attention here, but are there ways that the church can support these, these type of people that are, have these gifts? I know you talked about talent show, but any other thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think gathering together with other like-minded uh, creatives who, who are trying to figure out how to do all of this uh, for God's glory and the good of the people in the church Gathering together and talking through that is, is good and important. Um, simultaneously, you could just look throughout the whole church and see what needs are there. So uh, one place where our church does it is in the slides ministry. They're consistently trying to make slides that are, aren't just like black on white type things, but they're trying to make things that are done well and beautifully. Uh, and then there's talk about painting and doing things in the space of the church. So if you're thinking visual arts, arts that, that's one way to do it. But we want to do it not in a, in a way that says we are the only ones that can do it, but as a team, as a group, as, as a body of believers. So that, that, those are just some, some ways to do that. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's, it's uniquely the pastor's job to cultivate uh, these creatives' expression of art within the church. I think it's the pastor's job to help center their heart so that when they're making it in collaboration with other people, they're doing it for the right reasons. So I do think that there's a sense in which one of the things that we do is we ask the creatives in our church, how might you be most useful with your creative contributions? Because one thing that creatives are good at is being creative mm -hmm. and thinking through, oh, right. well, I want, I just noticed that in the bathroom, like on that wall, there's just a blank empty space. So maybe we can put like a, an amazing piece of art there. Uh, we just saw someone in our talent show paint this amazing photo. What if we just did that? Or, mm -hmm. you know, even talk about some of the aesthetic changes that can make the environment more warm and friendly, not for other creatives, but for moms, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're actually mm -hmm. talking about creatively solving uh, problems in the church where we're not coming to them saying, hey, your, your, your limitations mm. are PowerPoint, right? You can only do the PowerPoint. <laughs> that's it. And that's how you flourish, you know? With Thomas Kincaid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? All backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. But you're actually just giving them space because you've been working on their heart and you trust them to uniquely use the gifts. Like, I don't tell the plumbers in my church, right? I don't tell my plumbers, uh, you know, what they can and can or how they can and cannot use their gifts, right? They're constantly looking for ways to serve the church with their gifts of plumbing. They recognize the toilets mm. are jacked up. Mm. They want to fix it. We can do the same thing for creatives by giving them space to flourish. Right. And to disciple them. So we want to help them in their, in their hearts so that what comes out is, is things that are, are, are done theologically sound and, and, and biblically driven. So, so Thomas, you, you're now like, I can't remember your title, lead pastor, senior pastor, pastor, just just something like I at, have all at, those titles. Yeah, at, at Trinity, um, but but you started out doing hip hop, right? Yeah. So, have have you had any models, uh, any any role models for how to be a pastor as a creative, or are you are you blazing your own trail? 
I don't remember taking that class at Western Seminary. Yeah. No. I, think the, I think what has been really kind of the Lord is to bring men in my life who, uh, who understand how I see the world and come alongside of me and fan that flame. Uh, so they don't necessarily have to be creative people or, or hyper-creative, or they don't, they don't even have to have, I don't even necessarily think they have had to trailblaze in front of me. I think it's just they've been very supportive to come and show me and bring me back to the beauty of the gospel, help keep me safe and put in guardrails uh, while simultaneously discipling me. So I, I don't know if there's any one uh, particular creative person, but God has been really kind to bring a bunch of men into my life to help disciple me. Mm-hmm. So. Is this just a uh, Trinity thing? You help other churches with this? I know you do the Canvas Conference. You have a worship conference coming up, I, I think, as well. Two weeks here in Portland. Okay. Uh, our, I, ultimately, our aim is to uh, be an encouragement to God's people and to support the church. And if we can create conversations, at least start conversations to where creatives feel like their gifts are useful and they feel safe in, the, in, the, in their congregations and they feel like they can use the gifts that God has uniquely given them to uh, herald the name of Jesus, then we're, we're, we're really happy and we'll continue to try to provide spaces for those conversations. That's why every year we, we really can use your prayer. Every year we do this conference, it costs a lot of money that we don't have uh, but the Lord has been really, really kind to keep it going. So. In your book, you talk a little bit about um, idols, images and idols, and how creativity can go wrong. And one of the questions we got was, are there expressions of creativity that are unhealthy for Christians? And how do you think through kind of um, the brokenness of creativity and who we are as humans as well? Yeah, just the way I would just summarize that generally is that which is dis- disassociated with God's glory. Like if it's not connected or we haven't seen it through that particular lens, um, if it's particularly after your own pride and your own heart and your own platform, so you got to even think through your motives behind mm. this art, behind your creativity. Uh, that's that's where I would land there. Idolatry is not uh, it's it's not unique to the creative. Um, mm. And that I think that's the biggest challenge. We mm-hmm. look at expressions of creativity and we just immediately go to, well, that could be dangerous for you. That could be really dangerous. And I think everybody in their heart uh, perpetually builds idols. So I think that the thing that we have to do is, like Ryan said, pull them back through discipleship. Why do you make what you make? For whose glory do you make what you make? Um, and are you finding joy and satisfaction and contentment in what you make? over and against finding ultimate identity in that which you create. Mm. Is what you're creating being used as a tool to build affirmation and identity in your heart? Well, if it's doing that, then that mm-hmm. is, that's idolatry. Yeah. Your work should not be doing that. Jesus should be building your identity. And yeah. that's, that's a long process of yeah. discipleship. You guys put it really well in the book. I just wrote this down. I thought it was a helpful way of putting it, so I'm just going to repeat words that you've already said, but... Um, you said we either make a God with our imaginations to worship or we make ourselves God with our imaginations. I think that's a good way of putting it. You either lift up what you've done and that becomes your God 
Or you lift up what you're doing, you begin to worship that God, right? We become God or we make things that we then worship. You think of um, after Mount Sinai, right? They build the golden calf and they begin worshiping it. So creativity, I guess, can go wrong in one sense. Yeah. So it's true that we've all fallen, right? We, we, we have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, we, we all deal with pride. Is, is there anything that the creative deals with more? Uh, so like you mentioned, you're a performer. Um, that means that you need to be good and you need people to appreciate what, what you're doing in order to make a living. Uh, does that lend itself to, to, to certain problems that maybe others might not run into as much? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, especially the vocational artist um, is constantly thinking about uh, just career. Uh, how are people embracing my art? Is this art sustainable for me? And so then identity yeah. gets all wrapped up. And those in aren't necessarily things. bad questions. You kind of yeah. have to ask those. Yeah, don't you? no, it's it's those are really good questions. Is what I'm doing good enough to make this a sustainable career for me? Uh, and that question itself can induce a lot of anxiety and fear and insecurity. So those are really challenging things that I don't think, I, well, at least in my own heart, I've not mastered the art and skill of regulating that. I, I think for many years, I've had to sit in the tension, and I think the thing that has been the most helpful is just a constant abiding, asking God to examine my heart when it is far from the truth and help to realign my heart. What am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for ultimately? While simultaneously pursuing a posture of excellence, but not making excellent things so that people look at me and say, oh, you're so excellent, um, but look at the work that's created and look upward and beyond at our excellent God. Um, and that is a really hard space to live in for any artist. I don't, I don't, I feel really bad for vocational creatives because that is a tension that I think that they'll sit with probably for the rest of their life. And, and then there's the, whole, there's the whole reality that happens when you're done with the road, right? Like your, or whatever your art is when you have to take a step back from, you know, the you know, age 30 when you've given everything to your art and you have to kind of figure out what normal life looks like, that's a whole nother paradigm. That's a whole nother thing that you have to figure out. And I think the constant is abiding, asking God to help you to normalize and, you know, decompress and kind of live in that tension of being excellent but being humble. I think that's why the church is so important. The church is a normalizing space. So the creative who is up on stage um, for months on end is now vacuuming Amen. the carpet at the church, hopefully, hopefully. But the problem with that is, so, so, so going back to your question, the problem with that is, is not only, uh, so, so there's this whole pride-driven thing, but there's also a lack of accountability that begins to build for people who especially who are on the road, people who are uh, professionally, uh, professional uh, artists, professional creatives, uh, they begin to become, have such a voice in the world that many people who were there beside them ha have drifted off or, or are no longer speaking truth into their life or, or they've surpassed them, they think. Uh, and, and I'll say this too, that's not just for the artist, that's also for any and every pastor who is successful. 
uh, they begin to have less and less accountability in their lives. So they have less people talking truth to them, telling them who they are and what Christ has done and had to do to, 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 to save them. So that when that happens, they're sort of in their own stratosphere and they begin to drift. And I, see, I think you see that all the time uh, in, in creative spaces, and I think you see it, unfortunately, in the church too. Is it possible to be too creative of a church or too artsy of a church? Is it, so like at Trendy, could someone who came in thinking, I'm not creative at all, but I'd still like to go to Trendy. Um, you know, I kind of like Todd the preaching. Todd wants to know if you can go to your church. I do, I do. Uh, yeah. okay. I have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We want everybody, every type of person at our church. So, so we, we, we want them to hear the gospel. And so to, to, your, old, to your first question. Are is, there like pews it, set up for the creative ones and the non-creative yeah, ones? There is. Or, there's, is there, yes. Okay. It does, the Technicolor pews let me just over here. P- get on the back end of that too. It seems like if you're choosing, and maybe I'm not understanding this right, but could there be a danger that if you choose a certain creative sphere that you're actually pushing other people away who aren't in that. So like every church is going to look different based on who's there. And if you're pushing one side of this creativity, suddenly you're going to find all these people are like, I just like, that's not me. Like how do, how do you, I guess it's kind of the same question, but how do you bring wisdom to that issue in terms of what it means to be the church? Yeah. Well, I mean, so to, to, to our church, we don't sort of advertise that this is what we are and, and what we do. Yeah. So we have, we, we have a, a beautiful array of, of people and generations in our church that we, we love. And so we're trying to push them into spaces that they are together. They are working together. They're interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're not doing that. So we want to see multiple types of ministries taking place, yeah. one of which would be a creative ministry, but others right. would be, be other spaces too. Yeah, I, th- I just think at the end of the day, what you catch people with is what you have to keep them with. Right. And if our main emphasis is going to be creativity, you're only going to have a bunch of creative people coming into the church, uh, and then you're going to be homogenistic, and it's just going to be ups- it's going to be unbalanced. And so our f- first priority in our church is not to make beautiful things. Right. It's not to make creative things or create a cool church. Our priority is the gospel. Uh, and and hopefully that just brings the right people in um, because they're compelled by the beauty of the gospel. I think that's a good note to end on. Hey, thanks so much uh, for coming in, Thomas and, and Ryan. Uh, we really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Food Trucks in Babylon. The music you hear is provided by our friends at Humble Beast Records. If you like the show, please leave us a review and feel free to subscribe. To learn more about Western Seminary, visit us at westernseminary.edu.